When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Scott Benjamin, the auto editor at HowStuffWorks.com. My name is Ben Chinatown Bolin. I'm the, uh, I just made that one up. Chinatown. Yeah. Really? I, no, nobody wrote in with that one. Oh, okay. Right. But uh, I don't think it'll work. It, it just felt good. Oh, yeah. So what do I do? I write some videos. I hang out with you. Do some secretive stuff. I do some secretive stuff, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, Very covert. You're covert. About how about that? <laughs> it wasn't a, it wasn't a, you know, wasn't trying to hurt your feelings. Was it? I didn't do the best. No, 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 no. Hey, I got a question for you. All right. This is uh, this is not related to today's topic, really. Okay. Okay. This is I'm um, blindsiding you with this. All, All right? right. I am within about twelve hundred miles of one hundred thousand miles on my car. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'm uh, like ninety-eight eight or something like that. All right. Yeah. Have you ever heard of anybody kind of like? Celebrating 100,000 miles in their car, I've, in any way, like any kind of like, what do you do when when you turn yeah. 100,000 miles in your car? Dang man, that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard of. Now, have you heard of someone doing that? Well, I I can tell you where a couple of my cars have turned 100,000 miles because I remember exactly on what road and exactly where I was when it happened. That's so cool. Because uh, I've, I've had a few cars that have had a lot of miles on them. And, well, that's you know, good. You take good care of I, them. I put a lot of miles on my cars in the past and a little bit less now, but still a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do remember exactly where I was. I can, I mean, exactly where I was on the road and, and, you know, almost what was going on at the time even. Yeah. What should you, what should you do? Well, What's a good I don't thing? know. I mean, I had a friend who, this is this is kind of funny. What? He, uh, I don't recommend this one either, by the way, for an obvious reason, but he, he was up north when his car turned 100,000 miles and he pulled over to the side of the road Got out on like under the hood of the car, just kind of sat, you know, one leg up on the bumper, lit up a cigarette, smoked it, kind of just looked around, you know, just yeah. take it all in, get back in the car, and continue on the way. You know, I think that's a little muted. It's a little you. dramatic. Yeah, it's, it's a little dramatic, but it's introspective. It, it, it <laughs> is. I don't know how to. I mean, that's almost like 
so, like out of a movie or something. Someone would do something kind of goofy like that. But yeah. But what do you think you should do for a one hundred thousand mile celebration? I guess I don't know. Honk man. the horn, flash <laughs> the lights. I mean, that'd be hard to explain if someone said, why are you why are you tailgating me and blowing on your horn? And you're like, no, I'm not mad at you. I'm I don't know. Just... I just thought maybe you uh, had something in mind. Okay, first first thing. Fireworks? I would say fireworks are legal in this state. Um, some fireworks. Well, actually, yeah, you don't want to drive around with them in your trunk just no. on the off chance. No. But what if, uh, what if you could, um, I, I don't know. Take a take a picture and leave it somewhere, or put up a little sign on the side of the road. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it's as simple as just a decal for the rear bumper that says. Yeah, I mean I've seen other cars with that. Yeah, or one of those. You know how some people uh, rip off the uh, the the wartime planes and they have little stamps on the side. Oh yeah, yeah. But you're not really a decal guy on the cars. No, I'm not. I like to yeah. keep it clean. I used to be, but maybe, now I keep it clean. There's nothing on it. Maybe you should. Uh, well, you should definitely take a picture of the odometer. Well, see, okay, there's there's one suggestion right there. I guess you could do that when it I'm just sure. says exactly 100,000, but that yeah. could be dangerous. What if I'm on the highway? Life see? on the edge, Scott. This is trouble. Life on the edge. Okay, <laughs> let's uh, let's move on. Let's so anyways, move on. Uh, ah, boy. So you have 100,000 miles on your car pretty soon, but I'm, how old is it? I'm getting close. It's uh, 19, or no, I'm sorry, 2005. Oh. I'm so used to saying 19 something. Yeah. It's an 1890. Something. It's a it's a sixteen seventy. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a Stutz something. So Stutz Bearcat, I think. It's going to be a while before you can you can actually take the trusty Civic to become a, uh, I guess, a member of the license plate group we're ta- about to talk about. Oh yeah, that's right. You know what? You're right. Yeah. And you know that's getting right to the heart of of what we're what I have to say about this topic. Um, would I feel good about? Putting an antique plate on my Honda Civic when it's eligible. Here we go. Would I feel good about Would it? Would you? Well, let's uh, let's find that out. Let's see. Let's see. Yeah. <laughs> let's see. Let's build towards. Would, this. I, would I do it? Yeah. Um, okay. So here's the idea. A lot of uh, and here's the way this came about because we we've talked about um, historic or, or antique plates on vehicles for a while now. We've said we yeah. mentioned it a few weeks and mm-hmm. kind of said, well, maybe we should do it. Maybe we shouldn't. Yeah. What inspired me to, to uh, finally make the leap on this one is that I saw a Volkswagen Rabbit convertible from the early 80s with an antique license plate on it, and it blew my mind. Early 80s. Early 80s. It was a convertible. Uh, mm-hmm. The cab- Cabrio, is that what they called them? Cabriolet. Um, something like that. Um, but it was an early 80s Volkswagen Rabbit convertible, uh-huh. and it had historic plates. And this thing was, I mean, this specific vehicle was a pile of junk. It was Ooh. it was terrible looking. I mean, it, it just, was just wasn't maintained. No, and and not only that, it's it's a early '80s Volkswagen Rabbit. What's it doing with antique license plates? I don't, I don't. I mean, maybe I'm way off, man. But to me, that's not a collector car. That's not an antique car. But now, someone who collects those and yeah, <laughs> and preserves them. Oh would my say, god, they're writing the email right exactly. now. Exactly. Well, You've that's o- that's okay. I understand, and, and there's going to yeah. be a lot of this, and and I mm. want to right now. Let's just head this off. Let's do it. I, I want to uh, to tell everybody, I guess, that it's not this whole thing is not intended to hurt anybody's feelings. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. you know, if you happen to drive one of the vehicles that we're talking about, it's not a shot at your vehicle. It's not meant to hurt you in any way. It's just meant to. And I'm kind of smiling. When I'm saying this because it's not it's not intentionally mean. All all we're saying is, is that really a classic or is that really a an antique at this point? Because um, some of the ones that I'm going to mention here are. We'll do this later. I got a list of cars that are now eligible for 
antique and classic plates. Oh, man, you're and making me feel old. Some of them are, oh, they're not really antiques in my mind, or they're not mm-hmm. collectible in any way. Um, but then again, there's always somebody that can argue the other side sure. of that. Yeah, because there's, there's so much, um, the appreciation is so subjective, too. Yeah. What we're talking about when we talk about historic license plates, I've got a quick and dirty definition oh, here. Oh, great, yeah. Okay, so... To qualify for these um, historic license plates, or uh, some states call them antique license plates, um, the vehicle in question has to be at least 25 years old or older, right? Uh, and in some states, it has to be solely as a collector, uh, owned solely as a collector's item, used for exhibition or educational purposes. Mm-hmm. Which means that now that one, that specific definition actually comes from the state of Missouri. Okay. Uh, so we. You it's know, different th- in all states. Right. The, you're stumbling on it. Yeah. Um, 25 years uh, or older, though, is pretty much the common. Yeah, that's common. That's I mean, the it goes it goes down to 20 mm-hmm. and it goes up to 30. Okay. So a 25 year right is right in the ballpark. And there's some even odd ones, like Michigan is 26 years. 26. So it has to be just beyond that threshold of 25. So everybody take care of your 24 year old cars. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, and you can uh, and you could be eligible. But now you might want to you might say, well, why the heck would I want to get an antique plate anyways? Good question. Right? Okay. Well, the the reason is is that because you get a a cut on the uh, on the price of your vehicle registration, mm-hmm. and sometimes sometimes in some cases there's no fee. Um, or very, very reduced fee, and oftentimes it's good for longer than one year. So right. you can see the benefit of this already. Like three and, years or something? And not only that, you get you get out of um, vehicle inspections. Like if you if you have a safety inspection, emissions uh-huh. inspection, yeah. you're no longer eligible for those inspections or no longer, uh, no longer, I guess, required to have those inspections. Yeah, which they are, don't apply to you. Which can be costly when you get to a vehicle that's, you know, 25 years old. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's to your benefit, I guess, to say, well, I just don't want to do it this year. Yeah. Um, I'll get this plate and um, it's covered. Because a lot of older vehicles just aren't designed to those emission standards. No, too. no, exactly. Yeah, to what we're expecting now, and a lot of them it requires, you know, if you're, you're having an emissions test, like you mentioned, and it doesn't pass, you have to go somewhere and try to make it pass, and you have to spend X number of dollars until it does pass, or you've reached your limit of what you can spend on the vehicle in order to try to get it to pass. And there's some, there's some other, uh, one other thing that we should probably mention that's kind of slippery with this. Some states, if you have an antique or an historic license plate, they let you transfer that to another older vehicle if you have another one as well. Really? Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. So if it's like, you know, you have, let's say you have a, what, you have two 1950s Chevys Mm -hmm. or something, you know, just cherry rides, classics, and you take care of them and you have the one license plate. Apparently, in some places, you can transfer it to another one. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that was uh, was possible. That's cool. There's a. I I don't know. I think there's. The, so it's registered the, to the owner. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, and for uh, now somebody will probably check me on this if I'm wrong, but I'm don't have my notes for that in front of me. But yeah, I'm pretty sure in some states you can do that. Okay. Now in others, now again, this is different in every state. It seems like they've all got their own rules. Sure. In other states. Um, it may be non-transferable, but you may only have to pay once. And here's the, num- the type of numbers we're talking about. And uh, let me dig through my notes here for a second. But I've, the, the difference you're talking about is, like, it could be $50 a year. It could be $100 a year difference. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you, you know, a lot of times you'll pay less for a historic plate for that's good for 
multiple years than you will for a standard plate that's good for one, one year, year only. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So there's definitely a benefit to having these plates if your year, if your vehicle qualifies for it. And then every state has kind of the um, you know their version of what qualifies as a classic or historic vehicle. Mm, I feel so, some finger quotes coming on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of. Now there's a lot. Of, there's a ton. You can imagine. There's a lot of people that um, argue both ways for this one. Sure. Um, there's some purists that say, no, it has to be an unmodified antique original vehicle from mm-hmm. this era, and that's a, that's a classic antique vehicle, and um, only this can be allowed. It has to go up to re- you know for review if it is or not. Right. Um, others say, no, as long as it's a model year um, that that meets the requirement, then it's good. Um, others say like it could be slightly modified, and that's fine as well. But you'll see that there are differences in this. That there's classic and antique, and then there's also um, street there's street rods. Yeah. In some cases, yep. that you know that 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 is, um, and and then again, even in that case, uh, someone may apply for a an antique license plate, which is good longer and cheaper uh, for you know multi years, if not if not the rest of the life of the vehicle or the owner, um, as opposed to going for a street rod license, which is what their car really qualifies for mm-hmm. uh, because it's heavily modified. Um, that cost them not only an initial hit of like say let's say fifty dollars, and then an additional thirty five dollars a year. So you know it just comes down to what's your vehicle. You know what what are you comfortable paying? I guess you know. Yeah, and yeah. and are you going to be truthful about what modifications you've done to your vehicle and what what it truly is? Like what's a deal breaker modification? Just for an easy well, example. I get an easy example would just be um, you know a new engine. Um, it's oh, not, yeah. let's say you've okay. got a, let's say you've okay. got a Ford model T with a, you know, a, a 454 Chevy engine that, um, you know, clearly wasn't the engine that, that <laughs> right. came yeah. in the vehicle to begin with, but you know, it's a street rod and that's a heavily modified vehicle. And that's simple. There's a lot of other, you know, modified vehicles sure. you can talk about, but, um, that's just, you know, to get the point out that you know, it's not, it's not stock original antique. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's just a lot of argument back and forth about this whole thing. And it goes into a gray area, too, in when you talk about modifications, because for some vehicles, there are no extant manufacturers of certain parts, so mm-hmm. you have to get new parts. Yeah. Now, you have to get fabricated. I, I suppose if you're – now, that's, see, that's another thing. You can, you can have reproduction parts, mm-hmm. um, but it's uh, – well, that's, that's a tough one, Ben. Don't I'm, let me I'm don't let me corner you, man. No, no, it's just, it's it comes down to kind of like what the club will allow and what you know because yeah. if you're in a in a motor club, um, mm-hmm. they may say like, well, you're not really driving an original now because you've got a fiberglass body on your car. We can't hang out Which anymore. I can understand that one, but let's say that you know the the company that makes door handles is no longer around, mm-hmm. and you want to buy uh, you know the the correct door handles for your vehicle, but they're not not available, and you can buy these reproductions that look the same. Does that really matter? Does that make it not really an antique? I don't think so. I mean, I think it's still an antique vehicle, and you've done your best to preserve the way that looks. And mm-hmm. um, handles, really, come on. It's not like you're replacing the whole body or the engine or the, the suspension or interior. But then it goes back to that old ongoing argument about the letter versus the spirit of a law. True, true. You know? I guess, yeah, you're right. So what, what do you have any, like, egregious – I want to hear the, the dirt, man. I, wanna, I want you well, to go for the blood. <laughs> Okay, I don't know if I'm really going for the blood. I guess I've okay. got. There's nothing that that really. It doesn't. It doesn't bother me that much, really. Now, yeah. it it does when when we get to the examples that we'll talk about later. But if you have a car that's from the you know the the 50s, 40s, 30s, 
even sixties, I can understand wanting to get a classic or an antique plate. It depends on kind of what it is to me. Sure. But then again, here here's where the tricky part comes in. How how do we define what is an antique or collectible vehicle? And that's going to be different for everybody. Um, so let's say that you've got a 1966 Volkswagen Beetle. Okay. I would be fine putting a classic or antique license plate on that vehicle, right? Some people might not. Really? Uh, they might say that that's not really anything that's unique enough because they made 15 million of those things. Or they made, uh, you know... I see. I, I, just, I just don't know if somebody would be... Um, opposed to that in any way. I'm just taking that as an example. I think that's a good example because the 60s is a perfect time frame for us to talk about this. Um, you know, let us not forget that the definition of a classic is always made by future generations. Well, yeah, that's true. It is. It's but, true. But you're, talk- you're still talking about a, a clearly defined yeah, there's like a year limit to this. Yeah, there is now, a year now, limit. Now, remember we talked about the 20, 25, 30-year thing? Yes. Okay, um, well, what if you find a car that's now well, – well, boy, I'm still getting ahead because I want to go into this list, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I don't want to yet. Okay. Um, there are a lot of vehicles that now fall within that, that historic um, era, I guess, that mm-hmm. uh, you know passed a certain point that would qualify as historic or antique vehicles that you and I, you and I might say, I don't really think that one should get it. Yeah, I. That's the gray area. I'm. You know what? I see. I see where we're going All with right. this. I'm gonna. I'm gonna ride this one out with you, man, because I agree. So okay, let's just go through a couple of quick examples here okay. of um of like Maryland. They have uh, they have some um, limits set here on on what's allowed and what's not allowed. Um, I think I also have some for Indiana and Michigan. We can just quickly go through. Yeah, them. yeah. Um, for to qualify qualify for a historic plate. Uh, your vehicle must not have been substantially altered, remodeled, or remanufactured from its original construction and must be 20 model years or older. So Maryland is 20 model years. Mm. Uh, but it does say must not be substantially altered, remodeled, or remanufactured. Um, a historic vehicle of 60 years or older can obtain a one-time uh, permit that's non-transferable. So they pay for it once, they're done. That's it. So but it has to be above 60 years old. So there's that whole 40 years in between there where you still have to pay for it every year. Yeah, okay. Um, the last thing is, and this is one that you'll, you'll see in a lot of states, and I had a classic vehicle one time, or classic plates on a vehicle one time, and this was one that caused me a little bit of trouble, but I think most people work around this one a little bit. Was this on your British car? Yeah, my MG. Yeah. Okay. Um, it had a 66 MG, and it, I qualified for plates in Michigan uh, when I was there. And it was good for 10 years, and it was only $30, I think, to register the car. Wow. Where So that's for 10 years, $30, so $3 a year. Jeez. And the plate is stamped with the year. It was, it, I think, you know what, as a matter of fact, I think it would have expired this year. I think it was um, up in 2010. Um, it didn't make it that, you know, I, I got rid of the vehicle, but um, not, the plate stayed with me, of course. It mm-hmm. doesn't go, you know, transfer on. But um, the, uh, the one thing that... that Keeps a lot of people back from this. Now that would have been a hundred dollars a year to tr- you know just put a regular plate on it. So you yeah. see the benefit there. Yeah. The problem is that these vehicles that that are classified as historic are supposed to be used only for exhibitions, club activities, parades, tours, and 
occasional transportation to and from events. Like if you're going to go to um, a, cl- a club meeting that's in a park, mm-hmm. uh, they allow that. And if you have to take it to in for service, if you can drive it there sure. and drive it back, that's allowed. But it's not to the grocery store. These are not daily drivers. So yeah, if, if you want to get right down to the letter of the law, mm-hmm. uh, when you see a, a car with an antique or historic plate, it should not be going to and from work every day. It should be parades, mm-hmm. um, you know, club events, you know, fun activities like that, um, and. You know, when we get to our list of why, you know, some vehicles that qualify and some that I've seen, mm-hmm. that's when this becomes questionable because I can't see a lot of the cars that I'm talking about in parades. I just can't see it. Um, so, and then there's another one in Maryland that's a street rod license, uh, street rod plate, I guess. Okay, and that's a different plate. It's a different plate. And this one must be 25 years or older. Okay. Uh, so it's a little bit older. Uh, but they have to have been substantially altered from the manufacturer's original design. They're required. To They're be required altered. to be substantially okay. altered. That makes so, perfect sense. So for street rod, it has to be substantially altered. It can't be closer to the historic, right? You know, mm-hmm. era. Mm-hmm. Um, they also have to, um, again, same thing. Have to be used in club activities, parades, um, and they have to be. They have to certify that the vehicle will not be used for general daily transportation. Um, or for the transportation of passengers or property on highways. How do they certify that? Do they sign an affidavit They, or they must have to sign something when they go in and say that I, I will not use this for daily transportation, nor will I use it to shuttle people from here to there, or will I use it for work because they don't want you carrying um, you know, wood with your antique truck mm-hmm. um, that mm-hmm. you're not paying anything for registration for on the highways that you know, the tax dollars are supporting. So uh, that's, the, that's the reason behind that. I gotta be honest with you, man. I'm kind of chomping at the bit about this list now too, because originally I was sort of, <laughs> as they say in Tennessee where I'm from, I was sort of again it. When you can I can yeah. I make one more quick uh, note yeah, here, yes. and then we're done. I yeah. promise this is it, and then we'll go into that list. Well, because no, you just made a really good point though about the parade. Could you oh, see yeah. a car in a parade? Yeah. For me, I think that may have become my new. Ah, oh, you turned me onto this side. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. See, that's the thing. Like, I mean, I can understand, you know, you, you see the, the parade of vehicles that often has convertibles, and a lot sure. of them are new. I yeah. Can, that's yeah. fine, but they don't have antique plates on them. Mm-hmm. Um, they have it's just a standard plate on them, and usually it's maybe a car dealer that, that offers up five of the same kind of convertible to carry the prom queen down, the, you know, the middle of Main Street or the, uh, you know, the football team or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um you know, yeah, I'm, I'm getting us on a tangent. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm well, just saying, you, your rhetorical skills are uh, <laughs> are outwitting me. <laughs> All right. The last thing that I want to mention here, and we'll get into our list, yeah. I promise. But um, Indiana, as well as other states, this is just the one I have as the example for. Indiana will allow you to display a vintage license plate, which is from the year the car was manufactured. So if you can go to a, uh, a swap meet or a, you know a, a pawn shop or whatever and find a uh, um, a license plate from the year that your vehicle is made. Let's say you have a 57 Chevy. Okay. And you go find a 1957 Indiana license plate. And you want to put that plate on your car, even though it wasn't originally issued to your vehicle, you're allowed to do that in Indiana. But you do have to apply for a standard historic tag as well, which you pay for. And then you're allowed to, you know, you have to make sure that you meet all the qualifications we talked about before. Sure. They're, they're, you know... The age. Yeah, the typical stuff, right? The driving restrictions. Exactly. But this is as of January 2008. Um, If you want to display the vintage plate instead of the new plate, which you you do legally now have, you've got paperwork, and you have to keep that plate in the vehicle with you at all times. So you have to keep it in the glove box or under the seat or whatever. You can put the vintage plate in the car, but it costs you an additional $48 for the privilege to do that. That's so weird. Why why would they make that a law? I don't know. uh, That is a little strange, but... um, 
I guess it's just to deter people from just putting a, a vintage plate on a vehicle. old plate. Exactly, yeah. and not and not paying you know the, the amounts that, that are due and not keeping mm-hmm. the original the historic plate with them, etc. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's a flawed. Logic I think in it's. There, but I think it's neat though. It seems well intentioned. Yeah, people so, want to have that look. So it just has to be the year of manufacture mm-hmm. of your vehicle. Um, you know, of course, for the state that you know was made in this. In this case, it's Indiana, and um, has to be in good condition. Can't be. Um, there's a short list here. It says it can't be. Uh, has to be metal. Can't be any other material. Can't be fiberglass or some reproduction. Has to right. be the original metal plate. Can't be altered in any way. Uh, you can't change it to say anything that you wanted to. Uh, no fading. Or minimal fading. Um, also, so can't it's be, still visible. Exactly. I can have a little bit of minor rust, but not much. It can't be, you know, overly rusty. Um, that's judgment call, I guess. Yeah. Uh, plate can't be bent. It has to be straight so that it can be mounted correctly. And um, I think uh, your plate has to match the plate that you registered with the state. So you can't just swap out plates and say that you've got the right to do it anyways and find a uh, better yeah. find a better plate later and put it on. You have to. Keep the plate with the vehicle that you registered, you know, et cetera. Okay. It has to stay together. So, um, I don't know, I thought that was interesting. That, you know, they, they allow you to do that. And I, I know that other states are following suit with that. They're allowing people to display mm-hmm. vintage plates as long as they keep the other plate in the vehicle. That's kind of recent, only a couple of years back. Yeah. I wonder what prompted them to do that, you know? I don't know. I think it's I think it's a good idea, though, because I like, I like seeing, you know, mm-hmm. a 1927 Ford with a 27 license plate. I think that's kind yeah, of cool. Yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah, it's probably it's probably uh, that's one of the main reasons. I know I've seen that. that many many times too, because you know you pull up to a vehicle in traffic, and maybe on a Saturday or Sunday, and they're out, you know, just stretching the car a little bit, which is allowed. Yeah, and um, you know you, you think what the heck is that, and then you see the plate says 1931, and you're like, oh, that's yeah. a 31 Chevrolet. I feel like I've seen that a couple times. It just makes me think that there must be someone who was so into the authenticity of their car that they wrote their congressman. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's probably what happened. That's likely what happened. I mean, otherwise would everybody would have the uh the historic plate issued by the state. Mhm. So If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy. And basically have conversations 
questions that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Give me these parade cars, man. All right, here's the here's the uh, the scoop on this. And now, right. remember, these all qualify now, but I, mm-hmm. for every one of them, I have to say, I don't think so. I just, I really do, because well, when you hear the list, understand they're not. To me, mm-hmm. these aren't classics or antiques, but they do meet the definition, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in our state or in several states, really, uh, for a classic plate. They can they qualify for this, and I've seen a couple of these on the road. Welcome to I Don't Think So with Scott Benjamin. <laughs> That's right. Uh, how about a 1984 Chevy Chevette? Really? Yeah. What kind of parade would that be uh, in? You know what? It's It qualifies. I mean, do, do you see what I mean? Like there's this whole era of vehicles, there's these early 80s vehicles that now qualify mm-hmm. that I just don't think have the look of a classic vehicle. Now that's that's purely up to uh, you know someone's sure. someone's opinion, their their viewpoint, but I just don't see it. I don't see a classic look in the uh, um, in the Ford Pinto. But is that is that another one? Well, sure, the Ford Pinto is one. Yeah, because yeah, it was the early late sixties, early seventies. Yeah, so that one way qualifies for it. But yeah. how many of those do you see around in parades? See, <laughs> parades are the sticking point for yeah, me. Yeah, I mean that's just one that you can but pick on. I guess cars but. in the eighties, Scott. I mean, a lot of people are still using vehicles from the eighties as their daily driver. That's the point because. Yeah. You know, you and I know, and I, I saw a blogger wrote about this too. But he said, um, you know, I'm, I'm scuffling here, but it was, it was this kind of, this, this is exactly how I feel too. But it says my biggest complaint about antique uh, vehicle vehicle license plates is that it's kind of a, it's kind of a myth. It's, it's like um, he doesn't say it's a myth, but I, I, I think it's like a lot of people are just trying to sidestep the law in this case. Oh yeah, and, and I really do believe that, but. He says that you know if your if your car is over a certain age, twenty five years in in Virginia is where he's from, um, and you see that he says a lot of people you know try to do it to avoid the annual safety inspection that's due there, and yeah. I don't know if it costs or if they just won't pass it or whatever. But he says, who do you really think gets these antique plates? He said it's the people that are driving what he calls death traps down the road, you know, alongside you and I on the road Ooh. that are not getting you know that that are not getting the safety inspection that you and I have to get in order to maintain safety on the road. Them's fighting words, yeah, I, Scott. I know, I know. But he says, and yeah, I'm reading, remember? Yeah, yeah, reading we're reading blog, someone says, else's blog. He says, <laughs> he says, the pieces of crap won't pass inspection, so Virginia gives them antique plates. And then he goes on to say that, you know, the laws 
you know, state that cars with antique plates don't have to have the inspection, etc. But he says when one, you know, some clown is driving in a 1978 Toyota Corolla with no floorboards and antique plates, he said, you know what that's all about, right? And wow. that's, you know what? I feel sort of the same way. I really He's do. alleging conspiracy, though, on I, the part of the Commonwealth I, of Virginia. And I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings. I, I really don't. But yeah. but he's he's kind of got my theory down here is that mm-hmm. or you know vice versa whatever he's but, not near as nice as you are no dude. but i'm trying to be nice about it but yeah. i mean look look at my list here what, 19, what's 1985 all the k cars that chrysler made wow you remember those k cars yeah those all now qualify for classic vehicle status or antique plates oh man i feel so old so scott remember like the reliant k and the, the dodge 600 and yeah. the old chrysler lebaron the one that was real boxy yeah those yeah. all qualify for Historic plates. I've only got a couple more here. Really. Man, we qualify for historic. What about, okay, Toyota Corollas, yeah. Honda Accords, and, and to show that I'm not uh, not being biased yeah. here, the 1985 Honda CRX. I love the CRX, but I don't think that it deserves antique or classic status. Okay, not yeah. yet. Maybe not yet. in maybe in 50 years it will. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mm-hmm. I just don't see it. I don't see it as uh, you know like. Uh, you know the Jaguars from the 1930s, or the um, or the the Morgans, or um, I don't know anything. Bentleys, Bugattis, whatever. I'm going to be kind of a jerk and say this. You've got me on your team on this one. Mm-hmm. I think maybe I think 20 to 30 years is still too low. When I think of classic cars, I'm thinking more like 30 to 40 years old. Mm-hmm. With 30 being the bottom level, you know, like okay. um, for me. Some some of the seventies muscle cars to me are really are, are considered sure. classics in my, in my head. What's that? They're worthy. They're worthy. Yeah, they've been around. And then there's that age restriction. So maybe the age cap should just be raised. Maybe, maybe. I know that. Well, did we mention one that was thirty years? Right. Right. We I don't remember what state that was, but um, that was Maryland. I got two more examples yeah, here, and these it. these maybe will be the ones that uh, put the cap on it for you. Ooh, let's let's get this um, about. Um, let's get these angry emails. The from. early Chrysler minivans. Chrysler minivans. There's Chrysler minivans no, out there. Not you know cool. the very first minivans because yeah. Chrysler. Yeah, I know. What well, you Chrysler mean. invented the minivan. Yeah, Chrysler minivans are now eligible for antique and classic plates. And you're shaking your head. I'm shaking my head. I don't want to. See, you see it. my point. That's I a see good, your point. That's a good example, right? I was skeptical. How about first. this one? This is my last one. All right. Steal yourself. You ready? Hang on. Yes. Okay. The 1985 Yugo is now eligible for classic and antique. That's ridiculous. Plates. That's ridiculous. So it's not uh, it's not uh, an impossibility that you may see a 1985 Yugo on the street with classic or antique historic license plates. I okay. Let me. I don't want to offend people. Of course, I'm not saying it's ridiculous for that car to ever be considered a classic. No. I do think it's ridiculous for it to be considered a classic right now. 1985. 1985. Sure, the vast majority of our listeners were born. 1985. That was 25 years ago. So wow. you know, in, in Michigan, they'd have to wait one more year. Yeah. Um. In in uh, where was it? Maryland. Yeah, Maryland. Maryland. Five more years. No, in Maryland, it's uh, it's qualified for the last five years. Oh, you're right. It could have it could have qualified in oh, yeah. 2005. Yeah. So you see, the point that I'm making here is that maybe some deserve it, maybe some don't, but there's a gray area, and we, you know, you and I can't define it. No. I, I know that, I mean, honestly, I, our listeners can't define it. I don't know if anybody really can define it. It's almost like it's almost like something has to go up to a review board mm-hmm. where they say yes and no. And it has to be made up of a, a bunch of different experts, you know, that say, like, this is the qualifications and it's much mm-hmm. more strict. 
Well, how about this? You know, let's. We're, it might seem like we're taking down a little bit. So let's bring it up when we're closing. Okay. Because it sounds like what we're basically talking about um, to everybody who's midway through writing me those angry emails for calling the Yugo ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I, please don't. I mean, because we know we know yeah. people collect them. We know yep. people yep. restore them. We know people. There's probably some in a museum somewhere mm-hmm. because people take really good care they're, of. Them they're too. part of history. They really yeah. are. However, they're not a classic or antique automobile in my eyes. At least not yet. In in my eyes. Okay. I would say at least not yet. Okay. Very good. Um, But I I think uh, in a few more years, it's quite possible. It's just too recent. 1985 is too recent to me. Okay. Am I just being old? Am I an old person doing that? No, I don't think so. Okay. So thank you, Scott. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for backing (laughs) me up. Coming from another much more old, well, much older person. So what we're really talking about, if you want to take it to a a little more open-minded level is the same basic question that humanity has wrestled with forever since the days of yore, which is how do we objectively uh, determine these sort of subjective things? What is art, you know, or what is the difference between um, prose and poetry or, you know, I'm, I'm searching, I'm reaching for this, but it, but it is true that when we talk about classic car, we're talking about a certain element of contextual history. We're talking about uh, beauty with a capital B. We're talking about art. So at what point does it move from being a 1985 Yugo to being a 1985 classic car? And I think it's going to have to be another couple years, man, honestly. Another couple decades, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm being optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. Yeah, I know it's, it's just a, a sticky situation, and uh, I'm sure that you know people at the, uh, the License Bureau have to deal with this actually all the time. Oh yeah. Um, you know whether or not someone's really telling them the truth about something, but um, oh yeah. You know, it, yeah. No, I'm not going to drive it to work, but it's a uh, it's a 1980 Corolla, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I don't have another car. Let me let you know that just just to be because of course you know I'm completely above the board with you. You're one of my trusted few in the circle, right, <laughs> Scott? I completely agree with everything you're saying, and I'm okay with how mad you will be with me, how angry you'll be when I totally do what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. I will at least have another car or I, something. Okay, yeah. Now I, I won't be mad with you. But, should, should I just not tell but you? But I, uh, no, I, I think I know what you're going to say. Go ahead and do it. Go ahead. And- I'm totally going to get one of those license plates. So you're going to hang on to the Monte Carlo. Oh, if uh, yeah, if I can hang on to the Monte Carlo For that 25 long. years, and on that 25th year, you're going to register it as a historic car. And I'm still going to drive it. Okay, got it. I might. Got it. Now, see, I, I wouldn't feel right doing that in my Civic mm-hmm. um, when it gets to that point. I mean, it'll have a million miles on it, apparently. But, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I just, I think I, I wouldn't be able to do it. I, I, I know that I would be, I guess, pushing it every time I took mm-hmm. it out because I, I felt comfortable in my car. I would I would rarely drive it. And I really did pretty much stick to that rule, but right. on weekends I would take it out and just kind of stretch it a little bit. But I would I drive it for a long time on the weekends, mm-hmm. uh, just around town. And um, I was always a little bit nervous that you know someone was going to question me what I was doing. So I always you know I thought well I I could say I'm going to this shop in the area. No, that's not that's not you know very nice to do that. But you know I was always I always had a story lined up. You know that yeah I could, you shouldn't have to have an alibi no and, for and the thing is drive. you know if you're just stretching it and then yeah. keeping it running I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Now if you're mm-hmm. going to use it every day to go back and forth to work and the the police officer notices you in this car going back and forth every day of the week, mm-hmm. then they may pull you over and question you, and then you've got some uh, some explaining to do. Some explaining. Yeah, you've got that some explaining way. to do, because 
um, you know, you're going to have to pay either a fine, and they may take that play away from you, and then you know, fine you in addition to making you get a, a legitimate registration for your vehicle that you use for daily use. And then you will have to get an emissions test. Exactly. Yeah, all that, you know, everything that comes along with that. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of legal issues that happen, too. So um, just keep it on the up and up, and you're okay. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash Papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. I've had some fun with this one. Maybe later we could do a podcast about all the different types of license plates because there's so many. Sure. I want those diplomat license plates. You know, they get to park anywhere like doctors. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah. Really? I'm kind of making that up. I'm not sure. <laughs> okay. But they do look really cool. Yeah, they do. You're right. Uh, you like Monty Python? I do. And now for something completely different. Listener mail. Okay. Yes, that's right. Time again for listener mail. Uh, Scott... Let me introduce you to Jed from the internet. He writes in to say, 
Oh, actually, Jed from New York, from Brooklyn. Uh, Jed writes in to say, Hi, Ben and Scott. I love your podcast. I've listened to all of them. Ironically, I live in Brooklyn, New York, and don't even have a car, so I listen to them on the train on the way to Manhattan for work. Your recent podcast on fire trucks got me going. How do sirens work? I'm sure they're just big loudspeakers living in New York City. You can imagine I hear a lot of them. I, you know, it's just there. That's true, Scott. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they make different sounds. There's the long wailing siren on fire engines, the quick up, down, up, down that sound like European police cars, the loud chirp that ambulances make in intersections. Uh, this weird new one on police cars is just a short, low-pitched burst, and there are many more. Do these different sirens have different meanings or uses? Sometimes they'll switch between different ones during a pursuit. Why? Wow. That's a great question. Yeah, that is a great question. I don't know if I have a complete answer for this one, but I do know that um, I do know that I can almost pick out the difference between a fire engine and a police car and an mm. ambulance when they're when they're far away still. Um, you can definitely tell a difference between all three of those. Um, as far as you know, some of the differences between each each version of that, like, you know, different ambulances from different manufacturers, maybe, yeah. uh, different siren manufacturers. I don't know if that's the case or not. It must be, because um, yeah. he's saying there's a variety of them. And I didn't know that they had a different sound for pursuit. Um, mm. On police cars. Yeah, thankfully, I haven't ever had that happen to me. <laughs> I think there is a, um, I think there is a definitely a, a lower-pitched one that's a um, more of a warning or emergency assistance kind of thing. Yeah. Than the actual everybody on the street, watch out! We're chasing, we're in pursuit. Um, I think maybe we could do this in in a future. I think so together. too. Yeah, I mean, just the devices that make those sounds because yeah. are they they electronic. Some of them are mechanical. Yeah, uh, yeah. on the on the fire engines, they're mechanical, um, or at least they were. I don't know if they still are or not. Um, so there's actually like a uh, you know whistle with you know one of the little cork balls and yeah, it yeah, spins yeah. around and makes that whirring sound. Um, I know that police cars now have a uh, like. You know, the horn makes a different sound than, you know, mm-hmm. it, it kind of interrupts the siren. And that's what they, they burst, you know, that sound when they uh, they enter an intersection mm-hmm. um, as they approach because it's much louder and just real abrupt. Um, I don't know, this, this is a good topic. Yeah, we should definitely we, yeah, dig into it. We're going to pick this one up. Uh, this became, I guess, almost a, uh, a preview for the listeners with us talking about this. Yeah. Um, but uh, let me tell you real quick, here's the reason that I thought Jed's email was so funny. It in, He ends it with, you know, his name. And he says, P.S., if it helps, I would tell you that I am 10 years old and in the fifth grade. But that would be a lie. <laughs> Jed, now, they, why would he say that? Thank we, you for being honest I, and hilarious. I guess because we've, uh, we've answered a lot of uh, listener mail from youngsters. Is well, that we, right? You know, we get, um, we get a lot of people writing in. But, you know, some of our, I'm not going to name names, mm-hmm. but some of our other uh, podcasts do, do get uh, a little bit of flack sometimes for uh, maybe answering more email from younger. Oh, no kidding. Listen, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. You know, we have listeners We we have listeners that go up into the 80s. Did you know that? Do you remember that? We got mm-hmm. an email from mm-hmm. someone who uh, claimed to be an octogenarian. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't know how old he is at this point, but um, we have people that, uh, you know, the full range, I mean, from mm-hmm. um, eight years old up until, you know, apparently the 80s. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I don't know. I think it's a wide appeal, and we try to we try to get to everybody's listener mail. We don't just uh, yeah single out the youth. We don't. Yeah, yeah. We <laughs> we uh, we're pretty much just in the high speed stuff. And so keep it and, fair. Keep it yeah, fair. Anyone who's in the high speed stuff is, as far as we're concerned, uh, <laughs> down with us, right? Yeah, that's right. You know, even yeah. my mom says she listens, but oh. I don't know if I believe her. Really? I think she's just being nice. I'm an only child. So. I know my mom doesn't listen. Oh, yeah. It's okay, man. I don't think my dad does either. Nor do any of my friends. I'm your friend. I listen. <laughs> yeah, I listen to the show. <laughs> I don't really spread the word because, you know, 
got to hear my own voice. Spreading the word. That's right. That's how we have to end it. Exactly. We are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. Uh, we've got a marvelous edutainmental. That's oh, in work. Yeah. Edutainment, but mental. Uh, blog mm-hmm. on the website. Yep. And uh, let's see. I think. Well, there's just the auto station, I guess, the auto yeah. channel on mm-hmm. our site, which is, uh, you know, you can, you can find that on the homepage, easy enough, the auto mm-hmm. channel. And that's um, just real simple to you know, navigate around and find whatever you want, because we've got a, uh, a pretty good library of all things automotive at this point. And you guys, Scott works really hard on this. Sometimes after I've just beaten my newest record in Minesweeper, I'll, I'll swing by on the way to get a Coke or something, and, and he is just tapping away at this. Um, so you can find so much uh, information about all things automotive related on our website. And if there's something that we have failed to address, uh, if there's something that we forgot, please do us a favor and send us an email. Carstuff at HowStuffWorks.com For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the new High Speed Stuff blog, now on the HowStuffWorks homepage. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Compatibility. Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at Viking.com. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts.